Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 53, I believe this is. So, hello, Thomas. How are you? Hey, Sorsha. I am great. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Good to be with you guys again. And hello, Laura. Oh, she's not here, is she? (laughs) No, unfortunately, she is not here. No, we are still being plagued by some technological issues, and we're trying to solve them. But unfortunately, we couldn't solve them in time for her to join us this week. So it's just the two of us, like old, like old times. I like the good, the good old days. Are just the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, um, Laura couldn't join us this week. So what we've done is we, myself and Thomas, we will be discussing some news very briefly, and then we're going on to an interview that you will be hearing from Laura just a bit because we both interviewed Alexander Premak. Who, was, who is a translator, who's a Russian translator, and he's worked on games such as Timbleweed Park and Broken Sword 5 and Gibus, and he's helped to translate those games into Russian. So he speaks about those. He speaks about localization, translation to both myself and Laura. But for now, uh, it's just myself and Thomas. So, um, so thank you, at least, for joining me, Thomas. You're welcome. And so, first of all, I... Just wanted to mention Patreon again very briefly. We have a new subscriber, and his name is Ingo Warnke. I believe that's how you say the name, um, but I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, myself, and I think it's a German name, myself and German pronunciations. I think it's, it's not Varnke. always the best. So Ingo Warnke. Yeah, I think it's pronounced like that, but I could be wrong. And if so, um, I'm sorry. I'll defer to your German skills, so I hope he is. I think <laughs> so. it's sounds, the name country. sounds German. But uh, well, welcome, Ingo. Thank you so much for becoming a Patreon subscriber. It is a huge help. And uh, we are, of course, a very independent podcast. We pay for all the, um, the upkeep bills ourselves. We pay for the host of the website, the domain, and equipment, and everything else ourselves. So any help at all, is great from the Patreon subscribers. So thank you so much to the people who are our Patreon subscribers. Yes. And if you do want to become a Patreon subscriber, you would get early access episodes to at least our interview episodes every couple of weeks. Get some spoiler specials that will be coming up during the year. Uh, I have some coming up with the developers of Interrogation and with James Dearden and hopefully with some others as well throughout the year. So you can find out more at patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. Now, if you, uh, if you can't become a Patreon member or you don't want to, that's also uh, not a problem, but you can help another way. So you can share the links to the podcast you can share on forums and on reddit as well you can help us out that way you can share on social media and you can help get the word out so if you enjoy the podcast 
that would be great as well. You can also leave a review. You can also go to a new way I found out is ratethispodcast.com forward slash adventure games podcast. I'll include the link in the show notes and that will tell you the different ways that you can leave a review on different um, podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts and um that will help us as well. So that will give you instructions. So now shall we get to the news, Thomas? Yes. And I think um, the biggest news item at the moment is that uh, GDC, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, has been officially postponed until the summer because of the coronavirus. And unfortunately, this virus keeps wreaking havoc with people's lives Uh People are dying from it, uh, which is obviously very, very bad. So please be careful, take care of each other, uh, take care of your hygiene. And uh, I think it's it's a good decision they made. Uh, a lot of companies, a lot of developers were already withdrawing and not coming to San Francisco for this uh, conference because of the coronavirus. And judging by the, uh, the way the virus is spreading at the moment, I think that is a wise decision. What do you think, uh, Sersha? Yeah, I mean, I can understand that for a lot of people it would be frustrating because this is the biggest uh, games conference, at least for developers, and people from all over the world come to San Francisco uh, when it's on in March, and they, uh, you know, they they spend a lot of money. They save up during the year and they go to this conference to pitch their games and they make contacts and um, so they, they really rely on this conference for their careers and. Everything. So, and also, I've been reading that some people have been finding it difficult to get refunds from either airline companies or hotels as well. So, I can understand the immense frustration that it must be for people who have booked and who have these issues. But I also understand why this conference has been postponed, as you mentioned about the coronavirus that is spreading around the world, unfortunately. And so, I do think. All things considered, it is the right decision because also some of the big companies had pulled out a few days before. So Sony, Microsoft, Epic Games. So they would not be there anyway. And also Roberta Williams was going to be honored. She was going to be given an award. I believe it was a Lifetime Achievement Award. So and rightfully so. Exactly. So that sucks that they can't. we can't see that yet. Hopefully in the summer things will have calmed down and this conference can continue then but until then as thomas said uh, please take care everyone and you know we're recording this on a monday and this episode is going on friday so god knows what will happen by then yeah but um yeah we uh, obviously don't we obviously don't want to make light of this of the situation we also don't want to panic about it we have to stay real and we have to try and maybe see the bright uh, the bright spots in this and that if you are being quarantined and you have to stay home at least you'll have time to work on your backlog Exactly. <laughs> we can slowly but surely get through our backlog. I mean, obviously, hopefully uh, not many people can. We hope that not many people will suffer from this virus. And if you do, hopefully it will be very mild. Hopefully things will settle down soon. And we'll just have to look uh, look after ourselves and see what happens in the future. But for now, also, I forgot to mention that... There is, I believe, that through GDC or some people, they have started a fund, I believe, to try and help people who are not able to get refunds who were supposed to go to this conference. Uh, see if I can include a um, link to that as well. So they're trying to help give refunds to people 
We're not able to get refunds. And other developers and other people, they are still getting together more informally in cafes and all around San Francisco at this time. So there will still be people around San Francisco there, people are still going there. So maybe you can meet up as well. I'm sure people who are tending to go, they probably know this already. But just in case, uh, you know, keep an eye out on social media and Twitter. And yeah, hopefully GDC can be on again in the summer. Um, so that is uh, GDC. So now some more positive news. Um, there was a game that has just been announced. It's Those Who Remain. So Those Who Remain is... And the developers say it's an up-close psychological horror set in the sleepy town of Dormant. And in this game, you will need to confront uncomfortable horrors, keep your sanity in check, and survive the night. You never know how lucky you are when you have a perfect life. Everything seems to be taken for granted. dream, a movie you saw a long time ago, you become someone that you don't recognize, what's the point, I keep hurting everyone that loves me, maybe it's time to end this. Now this is a first person game and it's from developers Camel101. And it's being published by Wired Productions and Whisper Games. And the release date is set to be scheduled to be 15th of May 2020. And it's uh, you can wishlist it now on Steam. And you can find some screenshots and more information about this. It's also won some awards. It won uh, Best Portuguese Game at, uh, in 2018, I believe, at IndieX. And some other awards that you can see there won quite a few awards, actually. So it's looking, uh, looks really nice. The screenshots look really good as well. And so that is Those Who Remain. And is there another game that is coming out, Thomas, or that is out that you're interested in? Yes. Uh, on uh, February 21st, a game called First Contact was released. Um, it looks very cute. And it's about, uh, basically about, yeah, well, about the movie Contact. Not that it's an adaptation of the movie, but it deals with first contact with aliens, and the movie First Con- the movie Contact also uh, deals with that. As it says here, strange radio bursts have been detected. Embark on an immersive adventure as you analyze radio signals coming from space, decipher hidden messages, symbols, sounds, and translate alien languages. Follow an engaging story with countless dialogues and game-changing choices. So it's like a sort of a, a, a combination of adventure game and simulation. Now, uh, as uh, you might not know, Sersha, but Heaven's Fold was one of my favorite games from last year. You should tell us about that sometime. I will, I will. I, <laughs> I might have to dedicate an entire episode on that. But or that, five. That, that um, game was obviously all about translating alien languages. And now we have another game 
that is about translating alien languages, which means uh, I'm definitely going to get this one. <laughs> and uh, I think it's uh, I'm going to like it a lot. Yeah, so I, I can see you have to translate alien languages. You also have to analyze radio signals. You solve different types of puzzles. You mentioned you have to make choices. And uh, they said that there's, you have to research technologies to build and use different types of tools and instruments yeah. and discover different star systems. And I believe as well I read that they are using real research tools that I believe is pronounced SETI, you know, the um, organization. Yeah, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Yes, that's, that's it. So they're using, I believe, the similar or the same methods that they use in this game. So this is as close as we can get to working for SETI yeah. uh, in this game, First Contact. So the, the graphics look very retro, but certainly with gameplay, it seems very unique and very original. It's very and charming. Review- Yes, the reviews have been very positive. One person um, confused, or not confused, compared it to Papers, Please, and he mentioned they mentioned in the sense that both games have very unique features. Uh, it's gotten positive reviews as well from everyone else who's reviewed it, and it looks really interesting. So I really hope that more people can find out about this game and give it a try. Yeah, and uh, oh. the game is developed by Hagi ha- ha- Ice. That's E-I-S. <laughs> and the publisher is Ice Interactive. Um, and I think I, uh, I'm i going to put this uh, high on my list of games I'm going to get the, get pretty soon. So we might be hearing a review of this game pretty soon, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I, I have some other cool games to play as well, so uh, we'll see. You're still, on disc- you're still on Disco Elysium, right? <laughs> I am still on Disco Elysium. I haven't been able to play that for a few weeks. Unfortunately, but uh, I'm getting gonna get back to it. Into it, I did the uh, review for uh, the Blind Prophet, which will be published on our website uh, soon as well. So now I have all the time to get back into uh, Disco Elysium, and I also have uh, Beautiful Desolation to play, which you, I think, also got. I correct. I am starting. So uh, yes, so I just started playing it, and I hope to speak to the developers as well and uh, upload that in a future episode in the not too distant future but yeah i started playing it and i'm really enjoying it so far it's a really unique setting it's i've never played played it but it seems to be fallout as a point and click adventure set in a post-apocalyptic south africa yeah if that uh, if that intrigues you yeah that's why i got it because the the whole thing of like fallout in africa that was like okay i'm getting this (laughs) yeah it's a very very unique setting it's I, I can't think of any other games off the top of my head, off the top of my head that are set in Africa, in an African country, um, unless they're first-person shooters where you're probably shooting, you know, shooting terrorists and that. But this is a game that is developed by South Africans and it's set in South Africa, and I believe it's it has real locations in it. I, but I'll find out hopefully if I get to speak to the developers. Uh, there are two brothers who made the game, so. Um, but I'll be giving a review of this game as well. I've only played a couple of hours so far, but I'm really enjoying what I've played so far. And um, and yes, yeah, so well, I can't wait uh, now, to get into it. So, oh yeah, I think you will like it because it's a it's an isometric top-down game. So it looks like an RPG, but it is an adventure game. So I don't know; it could be similar to Disco Elysium, mm-hmm. but I haven't played that game, so I I can't really compare. 
No, you can you can play that game when I'm finished, and then I can play. I'll I'll see what I can do, <laughs> and then I'm, hopefully then I can play First Contact. Hopefully, yes. So, so many good games coming out now. Uh, it's so, so many good games, so little time and money. I know. So, well, hopefully next week Laura will be able to join us again, and we, I, a, a I at least. Episode. Yes, a proper review episode. I will be reviewing Alpha Polaris, which is a game set in Greenland in a research station, and it's a horror suspense adventure game. And that's not a really long game, is it? No, it took me about four and a half hours, which I, I suppose is a decent length maybe I'll, nowadays. Maybe I get to play that before the next episode then as well. Yes, it, it's free on Steam now at the moment. So hopefully, and I'll give my review down of that. And the three of us will also be speaking about a demo we played called Ring of Fire, uh, a futuristic detective investigative game, which I played at Adventure X, but we de- we've since played a demo, uh, all three of us. So we'll be talking about that game as well. And whatever other games that we managed to play in the meantime. Now I will take you to our interview with Alexander Premack. So... I hope people enjoy this interview. I'm sure they will. So you will hear Laura a little bit later on. She comes in about a couple of minutes into the interview, uh, late as always. <laughs> and I'm just getting Laura. <laughs> and yeah, so you'll hear from hopefully the three of us again next week. Hopefully we'll have resolved our technical issues by then. So um, here is the interview. Please enjoy. So thank you for joining us for another episode of the Adventure Games podcast. I am here with Alexander Premack. How are you, Alexander? I'm fine, thanks. You? I'm doing very well, thanks. Um, oh. Now, this this will be a little bit different because uh, usually I interview developers, but you're not a developer, but you do work directly with Adventure Games. So I'm really looking forward to finding out more about what you do in your area working with, well, mainly adventure games. So before we start talking about your work and everything, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and then say what there's everyone's favorite question is, what are your favorite adventure games? Okay. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Sergio, for having me here. Uh, so my name is Alexander Premuk, and I am a video game translator. I I deal mostly in adventure games, you're right, uh, and that's why I'm here. Uh, well, my favorite adventure games, I believe, that is not a tricky question, but uh, as we are adventure game lovers now, we uh, tend to love a lot of adventure games at once because they're all good. But for me, I believe it's Broken Sword, The Shadow of the Templars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that that got me into the uh, the adventure uh, field because that was one of my first games I, I played when I was I believe six. Yeah, oh, and, started yeah, young. <laughs> started young, and I believe uh, that speaking about because uh, I haven't played lots of Sierra games because uh, well they were not around when I uh, uh, started. So it's mostly LucasArts and something like similar. So I believe I played a little bit of The Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, and I can say that I like it pretty well, but though I never finished it. So oh, let's... Uh, I recommend that you try and finish it. It's really good. I'm aware of that. So yeah, <laughs> I believe let's uh, let's just start with Broken Sword. And uh, that is the, the game that's, I don't know... Uh, 
uh, means a lot to me, not only as a gamer, uh, as a translator as well, because, well, I started with Broken Sword 5. You started as a adventure game translator with Broken Sword 5, The Serpent's Curse, is that, that correct? Yeah, that is. Oh, not, and again, a good game to, to start with, but... As people who listen to this podcast know, yes, Broken Sword Shadow of the Templars is my favorite game as well. The first game oh. that I played, first adventure game that I played. And it's, I was a little bit older than six when I played it. I believe I was probably, what, 12, 13, or maybe a little bit older, mm. but, you know, 13, 14. But it's what got me into adventure games as well. And I was hooked ever since. And it's it's a great game to start to start with. Yeah, we have a connection here, I guess. Um, yes, yes, that's yeah. I knew that's that's why we got on so well at Adventure X. So. Yeah, I figured. Um, yeah. And um, now you said that this was the first game that got you started. Did you play the game in English or in Russian in your native language? I forgot to mention that you're in Russia. You're yeah. from Russia, correct? Yes, I am. I'm currently in Russia, and yes, I played it in Russian. And I believe oh. it was uh, that, that that was not an official translation, and I think that was one of most uh, because we have di- different versions, m- m- maybe two or three of pirate uh, uh, translations, and that was wo- that was one of them. Uh, and I have this disc that is very curious that it had five games on it, though it was just one CD. And all the versions were, I don't know, cut to some extent. For example, Broken Sword uh, had only one fourth of it on this disc. And uh, it always crashes when you leave uh, to Ireland. Yeah. And it has no sound, just graphics and, uh, and subtitles. And I... I tried to finish it, and I was like uh, curious why it uh, didn't let me just go further. And the thing is that only in 2003, I guess, I finished it completely because it was officially published in Russia with official translation. So, yeah, I hooked with Broken Sword. Yeah, but I never finished it in the first place. Then I played lots of other different games and only then I finished Broken Sword in 2003 <laughs> I was a little shocked that it is actually pretty long and it has voiceover and cutscenes and uh, yeah and the Russian translation was pretty great because it was made by by a real professionals and I remember sitting playing it and uh, understanding all of the references like uh, and all uh, all other stuff that was in the game that I, as a child, could gasp at the moment. And I was pretty uh, impressed by the quality of the translation because uh, before that, uh, lots of the games I played uh, were, were translated by pirates and uh, some of them were not good. Some of them just were made to uh, sell the game, just to label it that it has Russian on it uh, in, in, in the game. And uh, yeah, but some of them were good. For for example, I remember that Full Throttle uh, had full a Russian voiceover made with uh, professional actors. So yeah, 
professional Russian actors. So I believe it was pretty good, but though it was not official. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so at the version that you play so Full Throttle, it was dubbed as well in Russian as well with Russian voice voiceover. Yeah, but Broken Sword was not dubbed, it was just subtitled, but Full Throttle, it was uh, dubbed, fully voiced, and uh, yeah, that was, I believe, that was actually the first game I finished, uh, yeah, before I tried, uh, after I tried Broken Sword, so yeah, that was pretty good as well. Not, not a very good game to, uh, yeah. to play after Broken Sword, and then, what was it? Typical when you said you play Broken Sword when you were six and the uh, Russian translation it wasn't professional. Was it? Were there many games at the time translated to Russian or were they all in English or were there many games available in Russia at the time when you were six to begin with? Well, well, as I can, I, I recall, as I was just like a child. So I think that, th that there were some games and all of them were pirated and only in the beginning of the of 2000s, yeah, we started to get some official games. But before that, there were uh, several companies uh, who dealt in uh, bootleg games, yeah, mm -hmm. so they they uh, got official copies uh, and they pirated it, they translated them and sell and uh, sold them on, uh, I don't know, everywhere. So we had like the special designated areas or like stores or some places uh, at the markets. Uh, like uh, where people uh, could buy games. Well, some of the translations were good and because people had some time to do them uh, correctly. But, uh, and as you may understand, some of the translations were not good at all because they were mostly made just for the sake of it, just to make a translation, to sell the game, to have some familiar, uh, I don't know, words in it that that people could launch uh, a game and just, I don't know, click some buttons and understand what's what. Because uh, even to uh, now, well, people just are not uh, very good at English and mm -hmm. That's uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's something bad because, well, if you're not planning to travel abroad or something or just uh, talk with foreigners, you just basically don't need another language. And that's why, uh, well, even up to today, lots of games are dubbed into Russian. For example, some uh, terrible A games like Ubisoft games or Sony games, they all dubbed yeah, with uh, our Russian voiceovers. But back then, um, well, we have some good translations. I can't name them because I just can't recall. But um, I believe most of the good translations were uh, in uh, in adventure games because it is uh, uh, valuable that it has a good translation uh, because otherwise you just couldn't finish it because lots of the word, uh, all of the puzzles uh, are. Uh, based on, I don't know, word plays or something like puns or something like that. And uh, <clears throat> if you don't translate it well, you just can't finish the game. That's why Full Throttle uh, 
has full Russian voiceover and uh, oh, it's uh, translated and fully playable. So, and with this uh, HD remaster that I believe Double Find published, I don't know, two years ago. How long? I think I, I think it was long? about a year, two two years ago, maybe even three. I'm not sure, but yeah, definitely yeah. at least two years ago. Yes. I and I believe that I read. Uh, on the forums that some of the old crew, some people who had uh, the old files for the translation, they tried to contact Double Fine to implement uh, the pirated translation, uh, the good version in the game, but they never uh, they never succeeded. And so they just uh, uh, made a patch or something like that to add it uh, to a Steam version. So if you have a, uh, a Steam version of uh, of the remastered version of Full Throttle, you can play it with the old translation. And I believe some of the texts were corrected because, of course, there were some typos or something like that. Because even if it was high quality, it was uh, still made in a rush. So, yeah, now if you want to play it, you can go to Steam, you can buy it officially and then implement. Uh, and and an official translation and play with it and it's pretty good <laughs> well that's that, that's good to hear so yeah that's uh it's, it's um it's, you know as, as, you, as you say it's important i think with adventure games in particular it is important to have a good translation because as you mentioned the puzzles and the story they focus mainly on those two and you have to understand what's going on <laughs> what you're doing what's happening because with other types, you know, with um, you know, with first-person shooters, you could—I mean, not all of them, but some of them you can nearly play in any language. Or with uh, you know, strategy games, maybe or whatever. Imagine with role-playing games, it would probably be similar. That you'd pr it'd probably be better if they had a good translation. But um, uh, then, what I wanted to ask—go back to yourself. So you mentioned the game you started playing Full Throttle and Broken Sword, and. Mm -hmm. When did you? Well, you said that your your first game that you translated was Broken Sword, Serpent's Cur uh, Serpent's Curse. What mm -hmm. made you want to become a translator then? Uh, what was the reason why you wanted? Because you wanted to make sure the translations were very good for all people <clears throat> who spoke Russian, or was there any particular reason you got into this area? Well, that, that's a good question because well, I started I believe in two thousand thirteen, yeah, with uh, Broken Sword five. Before that, I believe I translated a tiny mobile game, yeah, like for the starters, but, and I liked the process, and I thought about uh, uh, how to proceed, and then I heard the news that Charles Cecil and the Revolution Software, they announced the Kickstarter campaign, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. back in, 2000, uh, in 2013, and I... I thought that it would be nice to try, and I wrote Charles on Facebook, like just like just I uh, went to wow. <laughs> just yeah I just uh, wrote him just hello Charles I I just backed your game and oh hello Laura nice to uh, see you hello again. Laura we're we're joined by Laura now <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry that's fine sorry. I was in the <laughs> middle let, let, late as always <laughs> oh, sorry apologies apologies uh, accepted thank you for joining us it was <laughs> nice it's nice seeing you so you're saying Alexander that you 
uh, you're talking about Broken Sword, uh, your first game that you translated, and you just contacted Charles Cecil. Yeah, sure. I just contacted him through Facebook. I just asked him, hello, Charles, I just want to translate your game because I'm a huge fan. And I just backed it on Kickstarter. Could we just work together? And long story short, I got it. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It maybe was my natural appeal or something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure about that. And I don't want to brag because it uh, would be not professional. Just, okay, I'm so attractive. You know, of course not. Oh, you, can, you can brag as much. We know we're all attractive here. We're all adventure gamers. are really attractive. And I'm not natural. even handsome. I'm not even oh, handsome. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and... That's how I started, and that was a very huge project, really. And I was overwhelmed by it, and believe I believe it took me because it was I released separately two episodes, as you remember. Yes, the, I remember the first yeah. one, I believe, was somewhere around March of 2014. No, I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm not sure about the, the the dates now, but it took me like a half a year to translate it and to proofread it and to play it because I played with my translation like like for several times to be sure that everything is in the right place and there, were, there was that moment when they uh, I released the second episode and we had to merge them together to get all the texts in one place that was particularly challenging so yeah and that was my first project it was like I believe it was like something up to 93 thousand words and that was my first project and I was like please I don't want to do it again <laughs> and no it it was even more ever since oh it, it depends so of course at the scale uh, and I know the volume of the game itself but yeah that's what you get that's what you get so to start, well, you started with a mobile game you mentioned, but this one was the first big project, and doesn't yeah. get much bigger than Broken Sword in adventure game standards. Mobile game that was that mobile game, I believe it was Gunner Z by Big Monster Games, this company that made this game about a girl on an island. I just can't recall the title of it. I approached them with that game, but they told me that all the texts were baked in textures and it's not translatable at all, but they have, but they had this game about, uh, uh, about zombies and you shoot them and Okay, I started with that, then I went to Broken Sword. Yeah, and then after that, you, I believe if you checked my site, uh, mm -hmm. my website, I have some of my games. I believe most of the major ones I worked on. Uh, so, yeah, and it was like that uh, since then. I just uh, started uh, asking around because it, it was the time when uh, all of the game developers, indie game developers, they stopped working with big publishers they started working uh on their own and we still hadn't had uh, those indie game publishers 
around now we have indie game publishers so it's uh, all over again but at a smaller scale yeah but uh, back then in 2014 it was just a good time to start and i believe that's why uh, i made it uh, this far because yeah i just contacted developers directly and asked them and i was really cheap back in the day i i should say i was <laughs> really cheap because well, I was starting afraid. off so <laughs> yeah I, I was afraid that I couldn't get the gig uh, and I was like I believe we're very cheap I just don't know maybe two cents a word or something like that it was like oh my god back in the days well now was... you have a, now you have a good CV you know just going through your site you've worked on as we mentioned Broken Sword 5 Timbleweed Park Gibbous uh, Bertram Fiddle and plenty of other games as well so um, so now you can nearly charge what you want, and you've got some very good feedback as well, including from Charles Cecil. So, yeah. um, so it, it worked out, just being brave and courageous, just you know, contacting him. And I'm sure he was happy as well that a, a native Russian uh, contacted him asking to translate the game into Russian, uh, because I... that's, that's a whole other market that a lot of people you know, mightn't reach. Yeah, I guess Otherwise, you can say so. that. You can say that, but that's not a rare occasion when a native Russian speaker contacts a developer asking if uh, they could translate uh, uh, they, uh, any game into Russian. Because yeah, that's a very harsh market. Because we have to still up to this day we have to I don't know fight for projects because I'm not the only one who translates video games. Yeah, and I use this word fight no we just I, I don't know if you couldn't get the projects you just don't proceed further because well for me you can't translate every single game you want to translate mm -hmm. and you have to choose carefully uh, because if you have lots of the projects at once you just, just just couldn't deliver the decent quality and that's another thing i am pretty aware of because uh, the game now, the translation uh, has my name on it, and I believe that's valuable that you proceed to deliver a good or even better quality. That's why I have editors now. When I started, I didn't have any editors. Yes, you can, I, I don't know, uh, I write it down and uh, distribute it everywhere. So I, I didn't have editors, but now I have, and they're pretty good as well. They are very professional. Some of them are even i don't know smarter than i <laughs> so yeah how do you um how do you go about sort of choosing the games you want to try and work on then alex oh that's a good question as well well starting with broken sword i just wanted to translate it that was my favorite franchise i just went for it i got it uh some of the games for example like hollow knight i uh I noticed it on Steam. I um, I checked. I always check Steam pages and other uh, media like uh, like websites or something if they have some Russian uh, texts already translated or something like that. So for for example, I approached Team Cherry just maybe on. I know maybe on Twitter or uh, via email and I asked uh, them uh, if I could translate the game I already had some decent uh, titles uh, in my CVs like Thimbleweed Park and I believe they 
agreed. Uh, for Thimbleweed Park, I was contacted. Yeah, I wasn't looking for it. I was contacted by the team. And that was a pretty good catch because, yeah, the game is great. And I still remembering it like as one of my best uh, projects because working with Ron Gilbert and the team, uh, Jen Sandercock and Robert Migon, yeah, so it was just like the greatest, uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, projects of my career so far. Uh, for example, for Forgotten Anne, I just approached, mostly you just approach them everywhere. Like, cover every single field you could, like on Twitter, on Facebook, if they have a group or a public page, uh, and uh, via email, and uh, you just wait. If they don't reply, you try to reconnect, and if they don't reply, so it's okay. You just don't proceed further, because maybe they have someone else, maybe they're not interested. But most of the devs, they they are replied to you, and if they are interested, you try to negotiate the terms. And if they are not interested, they just uh, say it uh, like, like as it is. So we are not looking into translations. But thank you for asking. We would contact you again. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of kind of similar how it's a podcast, you know, because people have asked me, oh, how do you get to developers and people like yourself to do interviews? And I say, well, I just contact them. <laughs> and again, <laughs> yeah. like like yourself, if um, if they don't respond, then okay. Or sometimes, you know, they might say, no, not you know, we're not ready yet or whatever. But um, but or they might say, yes, yes, no, we'd love to to talk. And in your case, you said you contacted you to want a translation. Now, what's good about you is you have a website and you have the game that you've worked on. So you're not just some random person who just says, oh, I can translate games into Russian. Just give me money. No, you've, you actually have a CV and pretty good experience. You know, you've worked with some of the best developers, including Charles Cecil and Ron Gilbert. So that's yeah. a pr- pretty impressive people Thank to you. have worked with. So and um now, you mentioned that the, the, the games that you've worked on as well are very varied. You know, you've had more serious games and some comedies as well and some games starring animals. You know, I see that there was a game called uh, The Purring Quest. Yeah. Uh, hateful or Hatful Boyfriend, a pigeon hateful. dating. Oh, hateful. yes, I've played that one. Oh, have you? No, I, ha- I haven't. So that. <laughs> Do they do they talk or do they have dialogue or is it just animal noises? So it's you know, like... a virtual novel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask, you know, what what noise does a cat make in <laughs> Russian? Ah, <laughs> uh, now. Okay, so like there an we actually did that in in French class. You know, I was asked what what noise does a cow make in you know in French. I was like me. La mue. La But um. But yeah, now you, you mentioned um, as well about Full Throttle and how it is translated and dubbed into Russian. And one uh-huh. question that I have for you, is is comedy more difficult than drama to translate into another language or into Russian? What do you well, say? It, it depends on the source material. Yeah, strongly, because you can write comedy and drama in all other ways you actually could. Because, for example... If we are talking about comedy, and I believe you want to know about this, well, let's start with Gibbous, yeah? Mm -hmm. So it has lots of puns, 
lots of I was going to ask you, yes, how, how do you translate puns that are in English into another language and, you know, make them uh, make sense in Russian? Make sense, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, and you'll be surprised, it's pretty similar. You just can translate it word by word, and we have uh, the same, I don't know, perception of of some things and so sometimes no i don't say uh you just don't uh, need to think no you always have to think when you work with the with the text but sometimes it's pretty literal and you just do it and it works but sometimes yeah you have to work around upon and find uh, variants or alternatives because some of the things they just don't work in the the in uh, Russian, for example, uh, well, if I recall it correctly, there was this thing in Gibbous when you are at uh, the factory and it has this big tube, it hangs on uh, chains and the main character Don, when you you interact with the tube, he says that I'm going to call it Alice because it's in chains. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's a music pun or yeah, something yeah, like it. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's changed. Yeah, it's and we had, I believe, something similar, some similar group uh, band in Russia, uh, which is strongly associated with chains. Yeah, and it uh, they have this song with the those lyrics that has chains in it, and we worked this way. We mentioned this. Uh, Russian band instead of this one. Of course, it's completely different text. Yeah. And if you know the language, like the English, yeah, if you know English and if you just look at the Russian subtitles, you may say, why? How could they do this? It is not a good translation. No, it is sometimes the only possible translation right. of, of such puns. Because even, because you want to have it in place. You want to have pun, all the puns in place. Sometimes it's not possible. Yeah. For example, with Bertram Fiddle, I know that Seb was writing it, not thinking about translation at all. But then he decided to translate it, and there, I remember translating it. It was not that difficult, but some of the things I had to change. And I know that the, his Japanese translators, they had to rewrite uh, lots of the text because in Japan, lots of the things don't work. Yeah, and you have to uh, localize it. That's why it's, it's called not only translation, but localization. So you localize the humor. If you have the same thing, you just put it there. If you don't have it, you try to find something that is close to it or even change it. But... Uh, you just still want to have this the similar vibe out of it, even if it's changed. Uh, and another thing about uh, Gibbous, for example, if have you played it? Yeah, you I have. It, yes. Yes, I've played have... it. Yeah. Oh, you played yeah. it. Okay, right. So, so and, you re and you remember that the first scene when you are at the library and Dawn yes. looks through the books. This Daniel Mamaroon books, lots of them. Yeah, and you look through them, and he comments uh, on all of the titles of the books, and and uh, they are in uh, alphabetical order. So, and you have to, I don't know, uh, 
look through them all to get an achievement, etc., etc. And the achievement is about OCD because Don has OCD, and that's why uh, to maintain the very uh, uh, the, the, the the very attitude to uh, give uh, Russian players the understanding that Don has OCD, we translated the achievement accordingly, mentioning the uh, disease, yes, and of course we uh, tried to do the titles in an alphabetical order as well in the Russian version, even if it's not what Don says. So we translated all of the books, but then we rearranged them in the in the alphabetical order. And I asked uh, Alivio about that if we could do that, and he uh, uh, said that of course, if it makes sense in Russian, we could uh, do this, and we did this. Yeah, because we did uh, give us uh, together with my translator, uh, uh, my editor, my editor, sorry, but we uh, did it together. She was my co-translator on this one because it was very uh, tight. It has very tight deadline and we have a very small time frame, like maybe uh, a month and a half to deal with all the game, to play it and to uh, oh. do, yeah, so it was a disaster and uh, yeah, we did it 50 uh, by 50, so she did the first half, I did the second half, then we went over it, correcting all the things. I hope it went uh, out well. I played it once in Russian after I translated it. I corrected all the major mistakes and typos and all the stuff. I guess it's all good. I'm not sure. I don't want to check it for now because I'm still in <laughs> shock after all that we've been through. Uh, but I believe that I asked uh, the guys about it because Levio is always checking things. Yeah, mm -hmm. on uh, Steam and on YouTube, and he told me that uh, the the players are satisfied now. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, that's good, good to hear. <laughs> but 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 yeah, because um, I mean, first of all, playing through Gibbous in a month and a half is impressive. But playing through it and translating it and then putting it together is really impressive. I but... played it first in English, then I just then okay. we translated it, and I played it in Russian just to finalize the. <laughs> The thing, yeah. So you know, no, go ahead, Laura. I just, oh, I was just going to say, is that what you normally do? Do you normally play it through uh, through the game in English first, and then try and translate it? If I have time, I always ask developers to give me the key, uh, <laughs> to give me keys, or just, or I buy the game if they uh, don't have time, or I don't know, uh, the capacity to give uh, me those things. And if I have time, of course, I play the game a game in English first, and then I translate it, and then I do LQA, localization quality assurance, yeah. If it's still, if I have time, if we don't have time, we try to uh, just ask as many questions as possible. And if a developer has uh, like a translation guide or something, which is pretty uh, rare these days, I should say, because not all, not every developers are even aware that you should have such things. For example, when I was translating Hollow Knight, I have one of the greatest translation guides ever. They had everything in it. Like they covered every single aspect and how to render this and that and how to not to mention time uh, like in general and how not to mention that bugs have legs or have something like that and they don't have 
the concept of time in this universe, etc., etc., etc. All the key moments you should you 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 should cover it because sometimes you just don't have a chance to play it. But if I do, I always go for it because yeah, that's, that's normally what I do. That's really good to hear when they have because I've never heard of translation guy, but that sounds really cool that they would tell you exactly what they're looking for. But um, now if you don't have time to play the game itself in English, and or if the developers uh, want the game to be translated into Russian at the time of release, uh, do, do they ever give you like a script or something? Would they ever send you something to to help you translate while they're making the game, while they're developing the game? As they, have they ever sent you something like that? Well, by basically now when you mention it, uh, it all should be in uh, the locket. A locket is the file uh, which uh, uh, the developer sent you for for translation. And if it's a good locket, it has all this information. It has uh, all the lines. It has all the dialogues, descriptions. Uh, if we're speaking about adventure games, yes. And it has all the roles, like who says what. And uh, we have different columns. It may vary in appearance, yes, but basically, if a developer knows what uh, the, uh, they're doing, so it, it it should be a well-organized locket. I have translated lots of games, and I should say that most of the games had decent lockets, yes, because the developers, they were prepared. They came pre prepared for that. Yeah, but some of them, yeah, we had uh, some difficulties. You want to have as much information as possible uh, because it's it's uh, one of the key aspects. For example, if you don't have time to play the game and you have it all in locket, you basically could translate the game not even playing it. I had this once. I had this game, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's a Korean game, a, a mobile game. You just can't play it on Steam or uh, just on mobile, on iOS and Android. It had one of the best lockets I've ever had. You just can't translate the text. You just don't have to play the game and it's all in there. Of course, I tried the game after that and I was uh, surprised that I got almost everything right. Of course, I did some corrections afterwards because there are always corrections, even if you are sure that there are nothing to correct. No, you are mistaken. <laughs> there is always a lot of things to create, actually. So, but speaking of this, yeah, you have to, you have to get developers know that translators need good lockets. Speaking about indies, if we're speaking about big games like Ubisoft or Sony or something, of course they have it all in a place. They are very professional and they know what they want from translations. That's why they, they work with big big companies like Keywords and, and something like that. But speaking about indie developers, yes, it's still a, a dark place a dark room we find yourself in the dark, dark room, room. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. no <laughs> you die you die you die yeah and if you don't have a decent locket you die you die figuratively yes that's thank you most john people, robertson once yeah. again yeah that most, was a people great have, experience. most people have no idea what we're talking about yeah but yeah so that is 
That's I, I was going to say, if, uh, uh, just sort of following on from that, um, what would be your top tips to developers in that case for, you know, how to make it, make a game easy to localize or not necessarily easy, but just, you know, organized maybe. <laughs> well, uh, of course, maybe I am not the guy who should give such kind of advice, but if, uh, but, but, but since you asked, well, uh, I believe, and I, Actually, I want uh, to make a talk about this, maybe at some conference or something like that. I have some, Adventure something like that maybe? in in my maybe. Yes, I applied several times. Storm, if you hear me, please consider next time. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, well, I, I would be very interested in the talk yeah, like that. Same. So, Alexander yeah. Beckett King and other organizers of Adventure X, if you're listening. Don't know if they are or not, but anyway. I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah, you just have to ask. Well, uh, speaking about the question, yes, the key points to uh, share with the developers who want to translate the game into any language. I'm not talking about Asian languages because I'm not uh, an expert in in uh, that area. I believe that's a different uh, skill set. You have to have a different skill set to handle that. So I'm just talking about just some things in general. You have to write your text thinking about that it could be translated <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, that's not much of a deal, but I know that Dave Gilbert, for example, he never translates his games, yeah, because he's afraid that uh, translators uh, uh, wouldn't get any, uh, uh, all the things right. So yeah, he is afraid to put his name on uh, the translation, and I totally understand that. But yeah, you have to write your game texts accordingly just to understand that maybe one day a poor translator would translate a game into uh, their respective uh, language. Yeah, and of course, if you plan to do that, you have to understand what uh, area you want to cover. If you want just a standard figs uh, uh, package, like English, French, Italian, Spanish, and German, or do you want to add something like on the top, like Russian or some uh, other uh, languages like Polish, uh, Czech or something like that. If you know that you have fans in those areas, you have to consider that. Yeah, you have to have that in mind. Speaking about Russian and other non-latent languages, you have to think about fonts. That's the second point. Yeah, first you have to write your game in, with the translation in mind. Second, you have to be curious what fonts are used if it's not latent based. So you have to mind the fonts. I make fonts, yeah, because uh, lots of the devs, they just don't know how to implement Cyrillic and I have to do it all from scratch. I just ask them for fonts and I base my fonts on their fonts and I send them and they implement them. That's how we did with Gibbous, for example. So that's the second point. And of course, the, th the third point is to have a decent lock kit because without that, you couldn't uh, just do anything. If you don't uh, know how to make lockets, you have to approach any professional translators, not me, of course, no, any other translator you know, or any people who are in the industry and ask how to make it. Because if you don't want 
if you don't know how to do it, you have to uh, learn it because uh, a good locket is half of the deal. A good translator is another half of the deal. And to seal it all at once, you have to work your way through all the things because you have already to develop your game because some of the developers, of course, they consider translation at the early stages of the development. Yes, they think about all of this, but some of the, but most of the developers, they translate afterwards. After all, the texts are locked and uh, nothing is going to be changed because the easiest way to do it. And uh, you have, you have, yeah, so to that point, you already complete your game and you want it to be good in other languages. So why not to go an extra mile and provide all the necessary uh, equipment for your translators to handle the game correctly? If you use uh, some things like XML or something like that, you have to, I believe, try to convert them into spreadsheets because working with XML directly is not good. I tried it, I didn't like it at all. For example, I've translated this game. I couldn't talk about it right now because it was not properly announced, but I only say that uh, the developer, he coded this special thing because he's a programmer, yes. He coded this special interpreter, which interpreted XML files with all the text into good spreadsheets, like with all the uh, columns for actors who say the lines with all the lines. And that was actually good. So you have to have a skilled programmer to work with your text because uh, because uh, you don't know what to expect when you start it. That's why yeah. I believe those three simple points, just write with translation in mind, uh, mind the fonts because yes, you know, not every language use latent letters. Yeah, and uh, have a decent locket or at least try to. and. Maybe you have all the comments in the locket, but sometimes you have a, a locket and this translation guide I mentioned before, yes. And if you have a good team of translators, you go to them. If you want to work separately, you go to separate uh, translators. And if you work with vendors, of course, if you want to work with vendors and you want to exclude this pain to work with lots of people at once, you just go to vendors that are good vendors. I, even if I am a freelance translator, I, I understand that, well, you just can't uh, uh, say that all the vendors are bad. You should go to uh, uh, simple people like I just to, to, to translate games. No. Everything is good if you know uh, that uh, people you work with are professional. And yeah, so always go to professional translators if you have budget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't have budget, consider not to translate your game at all officially uh, because it wouldn't uh, damage your sales if you just don't translate it. You just don't have, you, you, you just won't get uh, some amount of money from the not translated regions because if you go with community translators that's another thing 
I personally, I don't advise you to go with community translators, not because I want to translate all the games in the world, but I know that it's a rare occasion when you could find a good and skilled and professional community translator team. Yeah, because most of the people, they think that they know two languages and they know how to translate. They think they know how to translate. They're, no, they're two different things, as, yeah. as I found yeah. out. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, that's that. Actually, brings me on to my next question. Actually, because you mentioned there, it's not enough to speak the two languages. Um, so, because say somebody speaks English and their native language, for example, I speak uh. English and Spanish and a little bit of French as well, but. I don't think I'll be translating anything into Spanish or French. I did do a translation subject and it was very difficult, much more difficult than I thought. So do you have any tips for people who might like to be translators themselves or work in the translation area, like if they, you know, if any, some, you know, maybe French people or people maybe, um, I don't know, who's have, uh, who can speak English and then their own native language. Uh, what tips would you give to people, you know, like, like yourself? Um, what, what would people need to know before working as a translator? Well, first of all, I need to make a confession. I don't have a professional linguistic, uh, uh, how, to, how to say certificate uh, degree degree I am an English I'm an English and uh, history teacher yeah oh. I had some of the Quite things official. yes <laughs> I have I had some of the language based uh, uh, lectures and all other stuff yes and I'm also a history uh, candidate or you can call it candidate on it, or in some countries you call it history PhD. It depends on the uh, 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 different uh, countries. So in you in the US you call it history PhD. In I don't know countries which have two uh, um, two two tiers of uh, uh, scientific degree. So you I am a, a candidate. So I am a scientist. Uh, some. <laughs> Somehow, yeah. So, yeah, I I learned the language in the university. I learned some of the language-based disciplines as well. I also learned uh, history, and I uh, know how to teach it. Yeah, but I don't teach, I translate. First of all, if you want, and I do know that some of the good Russian translators from, from the past, they are not linguists as well. So, yeah, it's just the attitude you give to the to the profession because if you want to become uh, a, a good translator everyone could translate yeah that, that that's a good thing yes everyone could try yeah, yeah but if you google want to translate <laughs> no don't use google translate, <laughs> yes. yeah the thing is that if you want to become a good translator you just need to self-educate yourself every single moment of your time that's why i started translating because i uh, understood that well i'm not capable of anything else let's try to do this because it's not only uh, an interesting job because you have every different game every single time it's also a, 
a new lesson every time. For example, I have lots of games and they cover different areas of uh, everything. For example, uh, the Silent Age, this game, it... Uh, it, it, it's about time travels. Hollow Knight is about bugs in a very strange and gothic-looked uh, uh, kingdom. Thimbleweed Park is about uh, Twin Peaks uh, themes and something like that. Broken Sword is about history. Yes, my field. I know it pretty well. That's why I started with it. Yeah, Gibbous, it's about Lovecraftian motifs and Cthulhu and stuff. So every single project you learn something new and that's how you become better in it, in the craft, yes, in translation. And if you want to become a good translator, first you have to evaluate what you're capable of. Yeah, try to translate something for yourself. Try to participate in different competitions because I know, I don't know that in Russia we have some professional competitions when everyone who wants to show what uh, they're capable of, they could take part and they could even um, win because you just don't know if you're capable. If you, if you don't try, you just won't know it. So... Try to make it official from the very start, like not official, official. Try to be uh, interested in it, not as a hobby and as something you want to achieve something good at. And take parts in competitions, do something for yourself, share it with your friends and family and online, of course. Uh, some of the people can give good uh, pieces of editing advice on the internet not all of them but you will find your public you will find the people who are interested in your uh, translations it's it's not only games you could translate if you're into i don't know uh, if you're into books you could translate uh, uh, short stories or novels or something like that you should try uh, and uh, every media you want to translate you want to you should go for it. Uh, th 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 that's basically how I started. But and if you are persistent enough, and you and you see that people are appreciating what you are doing, uh, it's a good st stimulate for you to uh, proceed further. I don't know. I check feedback on my translations from time to time. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes people just don't like some things that I translated. They would do it, I don't know, differently. But since uh, I still have some feedback, uh, and sometimes people write to me on Facebook or on our Russian social network, Kontakti, or on Twitter, and just uh, thanking me for uh, the game site translating, it's a rare occasion but it's always pleasant to <laughs> have this moment yeah but if you want to start you just should start and you should read a lot in your native tongue and in the uh, language for what you want to translate yes you want to read you want to listen you want to speak you want you don't you just need to understand that uh you don't have to be afraid if you do something wrong. That's okay to do something wrong from the very start. Because I remember, I believe, all of the mistakes I 
made in Broken Sword 5 yet up to this date. And I'm not proud of them, but that was my first project. And I made those mistakes because I was not aware of some things on how game localization works and uh, how the game development thing works and etc. etc. But my main piece of advice, like major thing, you just go for it. And if you really good at it, you you will succeed. If you're not good at it, you may succeed as well. But I don't advise you to proceed further. <laughs> That's sound advice. Yeah, some really good yeah. advice there. I think it's. I thought you mentioned that you know when you first started, you may you know made some mistakes. But I think that's like everybody. Um, you know, yeah. clearly myself, when I first started a podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. Some people might say I still don't, but um, have you have you learned any lessons, do you think, or what translation-related lessons do you feel you've learned in game development and translating for video games the last five, six years? Six, I believe, yes. Uh, first. Well, first of all, I believe I now... I can say if the text is well written from the very start when I just look at it and I look through it and I see the the way it's uh, it's written I could say whether it would be a challenge to translate it or not so I believe that's the main thing you get from it uh, because uh, when I started all the text look I like to me. I was like not aware of lots of rules. Yeah, of of course, I'm not only translating. I'm only I'm always learning um, about how to write things. That's why I started attending Adventure X. Uh, well, for example, in 2017, that was my first time. Three years ago, three, four, and four years, four, four years ago. I don't know. Yeah, three. And uh, yeah, you don't you don't. Uh, you don't deal with translations as well. You deal with the narrative component of uh, the game development uh, industry. And that's why you have to be, uh, I, I know, aware of all uh, latest developments in the field. And uh, I believe that the most uh, skill I get, I got from it, yes, as that feeling you have after those six years in translation, that this game is good, this game is not that good, but we will make it better in Russian. Yeah, for example, <laughs> something like that. So yes, I've translated some of the games, maybe, maybe two or three, I don't want to name them, of course, they that would not be professional. We And they had some very questionable uh, decisions uh, uh, during the uh, translation process, so, and, and the texts were not well written because they were not written by native speakers, uh, but, but but some people like me who have who have English as a second language, yeah. And they didn't have money or time to run it through a native speaker, yeah. And that's why the texts were not good. But we made it better in Russian, yeah. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's always good. Yeah. I yeah, I was just going to say, what's what's the most sort of fun or interesting uh, project you've worked on? Well, I don't want to uh, 
I'll put you on a Rabbit. spot there. <laughs> you can ah, name a couple what? if you want. Well, I would just say I put you on I, the spot a little bit there, but yeah, you don't need to name just one if you'd rather not point out one. But I, I'm just interested into you know what you particularly enjoyed working on, maybe. Yeah, to be well, to say it in general, I love all of my children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but but now be honest. Yeah, some of them are pretty strange <laughs> in the head. Yeah, for example, I loved, I loved translating accounting plus maybe you've heard of it as a vr game yeah i love translating it because it has a lot of swearing like every <laughs> second word is is bad and that's why i loved it because you don't uh, have it uh, in broken sword or thimble with a hollow knight no it's all just good stuff but in accounting plus yes it's all way to the top, and we did it with my good friend and uh, former teacher Sergei Lobanov. Yeah, we did it um, like in two weeks. It was a very uh, tight deadline as well, but we enjoyed it, and it was pretty fun to translate. And some people approached me on Twitter afterwards, thanking for this kind of translation because I used all the right. We used all the right, all the right words in all the right places yeah and that was pretty good so i i played it myself and uh, i was having a really uh, uh, good time just having it uh, just seeing my translation in the game yeah even if even uh, if it's in vr so they gave me a special copy sorry without vr so and i tried it and maybe i can name as well forgotten n because it's a very good game it has a very interesting story it's you may consider it classic about a lost girl who finds her destination her way of understanding the world uh, around her it has a very well-written text it uh, and it was uh, fun to work with the names of the characters because uh, all of the characters except Anne and her uh, her uh, I don't know foster father uh, they are all things so all the names are based on uh, different articles of uh, things like furniture or, or a cloth or something like that and you have to translate them all accordingly into russian yeah so we did it good and i really loved it and uh, of course hollow knight is a good one because it has lots of things with names and places yeah. and and toponyms and all other things like uh, it has this uh, vibe of uh, some dark tale of woe and i don't know despair and you have to channel this very feeling into the russian text for russian players to feel it as well not only on the screen but in the words because words they play a good part a great part into in this story uh i also loved working with uh Let's see it. Let's see. Where is this? Uh, those two games, Detective Gallo and The Wardrobe, those two mm. adventure games, you can find them on 
Steam and on Nintendo Switch and on consoles as well. So it has they have they are very interesting because they have this strange sense of humor with lots of puns. And uh, I enjoyed translating both of them because they have something. Uh, I don't. It's just like translating a good cartoon for kids. You just play with words and you just try to make it interesting for the player to um, read. And of course, I loved Huddle Boyfriend because it's a pigeon dating sim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very and curious people, about that game. And people <laughs> say, people say, uh, people say, oh, pigeon dating scene, what could possibly go wrong with it? It has a great story. It has a great story. I enjoyed translating it to the very last word. And it has lots of twists and it's really funny. And I believe it has 13 endings or something like that, maybe 15. They sent me this guide. They they sent me this guide back then to play through all the possible uh, plot arcs. Yes, so to get all the endings. So I have this file somewhere. So yeah, that was really good. But generally speaking, I love uh, all of the games and of course Gibbous. Yes, because it is really rare because those guys Kami and Livio they love what they're doing and you can feel it in the game you can feel it in the texts and i even uh well it was a tough one but i love it and uh, i recommend everyone just play it because mm -hmm. it's fun not in russian of course play it in <laughs> english yeah well if yeah. you're russian maybe in russian maybe now in russian, yeah <laughs> And is there anything that you like most about translating? Is there anything that you like that gives you a great feeling when you translate? Uh, well, you know. Well, uh, the great feeling that it gives me. <laughs> of course, I <laughs> am very happy that I'm here and I'm still here up to date that I'm uh, doing translation for the sixth year, I believe, uh, back in October. It was my thing my sixth year in translation. I'm really happy that I made it this far and I believe that I will try to go further. Yeah, I'm already working on some projects. Uh, some of them, well, are from Adventure X. Some of them are not. I just can't say that now, but yes, I'm really happy that I managed to sneak into this uh, industry because I was surprised when I first went to Adventure X in 2017 how it is how it felt like home back then and I went there and even if it's your first time all the people in the industry speaking about adventure game industry because I deal mostly in adventure games they all very good people mm -hmm. all of them I worked with lots of people and I can say, honest to God, that all of them are great because uh, I hadn't had any problem for these for, for this six years. And that's why I love it. I love working with people who love making games 
because they love making games, even if they had some flaws in the process. They don't know how to make a decent locket, or they just don't want to translate the game, but then a publisher or, I, I don't know, market, the market uh, tells them to translate the game to, to, to gather more money. Yeah, I just love the, this feeling when you just come to any public gathering when you have adventure folk and you say, hey, I did this and I did that. And you just meet all the people who you worked with. And it's a really great feeling. And I'm looking forward every single year just to go to places like that to talk with people because uh, most of the time I sit <laughs> at my place just translating. <laughs> it's a good process. Yes, I like it. If you're asking about what you like in translation, I like to learn something new from every project I do. And uh, I like communicating with people, asking them every different question about this and that, how to render that in your game, what you had in mind while you were uh, writing this line or something like that. It always uh, fascinates me because I am a witness of, I don't know, some kind of human genius when you just write new things and you do it with all you with everything you have, with, with all your heart and all your soul, and you just give it to people. And if you want to translate it, you give it to me and I give it to people. Yeah, but uh, then that's where the magic happens. Of course, every single aspect of game development is magic if you don't know how it's done. Yeah, but <laughs> the thing is that translation to me, because that's the only thing I could do, is still magic. Even if I have learned so much since I started, even if I know all the nooks and crannies of every single thing I've already translated, it's still magic that it was in English just a moment ago, and now it's in your language. And people from your country and from all over the world who uh, speak Russian. I, I sound a little bit like a preacher right now, but okay. <laughs> People all over the world could understand what game developers wanted to say, even, even if they don't know the language. I believe that's the thing, and I believe that's what we translators uh, are doing this for, because we like it. Some of them are doing it for money, of course. I do it sometimes for money as well, but no, I like the feeling. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we can definitely see your passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's lovely to hear. Do you translate podcasts by any chance? <laughs> uh, speaking about podcasts, yeah. and I believe you'll be surprised. I tried to start something like you're having right now, maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, you actually. When I... pod... uh, yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. Now, when I first went to AdventureX and met all the wonderful people I have worked uh, with and I was like stunned by the grandeur of all the things in my head and I start and I wanted to start something like that but back then my the quality of my spoken English but uh, not that good and it's not good uh, up to date but I'm trying oh, no, 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 no we won't let you away with that no 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 <laughs> well okay and the thing is that I tried 
I tried to, to make a podcast and I believe I did a pilot episode with Jean Baptiste from Lancelot's hang- Hangover. Yes, I oh, yes, to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was a very long one. It was like two hours long and I was like, what I'm going to ask him? And I asked him lots of stuff about his game. He exhibited i believe back in 2017 at adventure x yeah so i asked him about this and that and yeah and i published it on youtube you can't find it on youtube now i deleted it i i could send you a copy if you want yeah but yes yes. uh well speaking about podcast yes i wanted to start it because I have this problem speaking sometimes, yes, I stutter. And uh, people say that if you uh, speak constantly, it, it goes away and it helps you with your um, um, speaking problems. And I'm still considering it up to date, but speaking about translating podcasts, you can translate, uh, I don't know, you can do a voiceover of a podcast, but why? You can translate the tra- the transcript if you have transcripts yes uh, people translate transcripts i know i'm aware of that because some of the podcasters they have it all are written down and they uh, have we definitely it all. don't yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Thinking, uh, God, God help anyone who tried to translate our yeah. witherings and waffle. Yeah, and the thing is, yes, I'm aware that some people are translating transcripts for uh, of podcasts, and that's an idea actually for the future. I think I think that Apple had or Google with Google Pixel. This Google Pixel 4, I believe they have this feature that records the voice and makes the text out of it instantly. Something like that, as if I remember correctly, some kind of an engine that uh, per- 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 that uh, mm-hmm. makes a transcript on the go. Yeah, I'm not yeah, aware of any <laughs> any other software, but if you want to look into it, to make some kind of a basic text out of your podcast, yeah, and maybe to give it to people to translate, not in Russian, in, in any other <laughs> language, yeah, that's a good way to start, yeah. Yeah, we're 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 getting there, I believe, with all the uh, technology, yeah, we. Yeah, that's will so, cover something that to think about. Well. Uh, well, somebody who wants a real, real challenge and maybe to despair in life could try and translate our transcripts when we get together. But um, no, I might well definitely keep in touch. I might have one or two ideas uh, yeah. in the future because um, no, because I was th- the same, you know, that's I've never done a podcast before, but I was actually searching for an adventure games podcast. I didn't find one that, you know, that I want to talk with current adventure games. So I said, okay, I'll try and start one. It'll probably be a disaster, but uh, it's still going well. And now I have uh, Lauren Thomas who joined me for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why still. <laughs> I don't know why I... <laughs> I know. You're, I should probably, just don't think about it. Don't think why you've done this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've uh, listened to some of your uh, episodes, what I was interested in. Yes. I pretty liked it. Yes. And I remember when you... Uh, did your pilot and you? Oh boy! <laughs> and you subscribe 
and you subscribed to me on every social network. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> who is this weird guy following me on the social media? <laughs> now I'm talking with you. And that is a very pleasant talk. Thank you both. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you very much, Alexander. Yes, no, God help you listening to the pilot. And you're still listening anyway. You're <laughs> Good um, on you. It's yeah, no, those especially the early episodes, I'm sure, were a bit uh, <laughs> challenging to listen to. At the time, ah, but. that's a good thing. That's a good thing having something for yourself because yeah, who knows? I started with translations, and I'm here. You started with podcasting, yeah, like like a hobby or something, and mm -hmm. maybe you're you're getting uh, somewhere as well because that's as I've mentioned before. If you're really good at it, and people like it, and people. Uh, comment on it positively uh, I believe you should proceed because without that why why do it mm -hmm. yeah that's funny how you know I think we all have a role to play because I've always wanted to make games but I, I just didn't know where to begin and I've never you know I don't know about code or anything like that so I was thinking any other way that I can help you know, be involved in the adventure game community. And, you know, maybe this is how I'll be involved and, you know, yourself with translation and then Laura as well, you know, doing reviews and interviews as well. So we all have a role to play. <laughs> so. My story, exactly, yeah. Some more technical so than others, but... Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, it's, it's still the same, I believe. We're still in the industry and we're doing well. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's... Yeah. Let's... Uh, Go on with that. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's great. Fit. I think I've asked all the questions I wanted to. Laura, do you have any other questions you want to ask? No, same. I think I've I've asked all of mine, and you answered them very well. <laughs> yeah, no, very very well. I hope great. so. I I do hope so. Yeah, um, really, thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. So, uh, Alex, I can let you finish finish off. Then, is there anything that you would like to say to people listening to finish off? So, to developers or other fans of the adventure genre or anyone at all oh sorry uh, where, where can people find you i forgot to ask that do you have a website well i have a <laughs> i have a website yeah it's premac.com yeah surprise surprise i recently changed the name because it was premactranslations.com and it was pretty long so you can find me on twitter it's premac you can find me on facebook it's alex premac or Alexander Prayman or something. I just couldn't recall it. But I am very, I'm very frequent on Twitter. And uh, so, yeah, I believe that's the only social network I'm frequent on these days because, yeah, it's uh, very lively in there. Oh, you can find me on Instagram as well. You just type in Premuk and you find me because I am a very lucky guy. I managed to uh, seize all of the short things like just Premuk in it without any other ad additions. I don't know. Nobody tried it. Um, <laughs> I'm very uh, intrigued by that and surprised at the same time. Yeah, so you can find me on my website and on Twitter. And that is mostly two of the uh, places of how to reach me because on my website I have my contact form. Some people use it, some people don't. When people use it, I am very surprised because now I know that they uh, that they were at my website. And I was like, no, please don't do that. And uh, you can DM me on Twitter. I believe my DMs are open or something like that. You can DM me with everything, but don't uh, 
say bad things to me because <laughs> nobody wants to hear bad things about themselves. And yeah, be, be nice to them. <laughs> no, yeah. be nice yeah, to so each you... other. Be exactly. nice to each other, not to me. No, I'm not a, I'm not a touchy feely type. But yet, it's <laughs> the internet is a thing that is very destructive these days, and we don't mm -hmm. want it to proceed any further. Uh, in conclusion, I just want to say that thank you for having me because that was, I believe, one of my rare public appearances anywhere. You can find me at AdventureX. You can find me maybe at Rest. Maybe I'll be at AGX Rest next oh. March. Yeah, Ooh, I might I'm, see you there. I'm Where planning is that? to. In it's, London. Oh, yeah. okay. I might have to think about going if I can. It's bigger than Adventure X and it's, it's lots lot of bigger. games. <laughs> yeah. But you still can see familiar faces in the crowd. Yeah. And uh, that's, as I said before, that's one of my rare public appearances anywhere. And I'm really grateful for that. Thank you for having me. Because I needed a place when I, where I could vent. Yeah. So, <laughs> because. <laughs> It was an intense ride for this six years, and I was like, I want to say so much about translation. Most of those things are negative, but I don't want to say negative things. I want to say only positive things, because I'm a happy person. No, I'm not, but the thing is that, yes, the thing is, yes, I've said not everything I wanted to say. I've covered some things, and maybe I will write some talks and I will yeah, apply it to some, yeah, absolutely. To some I'd, I'd, conventions. I'd be, I'd be really interested in in seeing that, even if I don't, I'm not able to go to the conventions uh, if it's not Adventure X. But even, uh, you know, I'd love to see it online. I'd, I'd be really interested. So. Yeah, they have it online these days. So yeah, I believe I I'll be happy that if that podcast would encourage other people to start translating, to start finding themselves in this field. And I believe that's one of the main things that I do it for, because, yeah, to yeah, have so something after yeah. me. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's basically not a very good note to end the <laughs> talk on, but yeah. No, I think you. you're, no worries at all. I'm very, very honored that, uh, you chosen to speak with us because uh, again you know the, the more languages that games are available in the larger the market so yeah definitely that encourage people to you know people who kind of know what they're doing you know not just anybody uh, who want to learn how to do that uh, as well but um well it's getting late i think in russia so we'll 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 <laughs> let you okay. <laughs> we'll uh We'll let you go then. So thank you very much. Well, both Laura and Alex. This is the first time that Laura joined you for an interview. So yes. oh. uh, great, special, great help. Alex. And an <laughs> actual proper journalist who knows what <laughs> questions to ask. <laughs> so thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much, Alex. Thank you, Thanks, thank Alex. you all. See you. See you. See you at the next Adventure X or yeah. the X Rest. So that was our interview with Alexander Premack. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you once again to Alex for joining us. I really, really enjoyed speaking to him. Uh, so hopefully next week we will all have resolved our technical issues. And I will hopefully be joined once again by Thomas and Laura. 
and we'll be talking about the latest adventure games we've been playing and the latest news. So until then, take care everyone. Bye. <laughs>the adventure games podcast then please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a adventure game developer or adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you